I'd like to talk to you today about God's work in history. Uh, the inspired Apostle Paul in the New Testament gives us two major verses that tell us we need to learn from history. And here he's speaking primarily about biblical history, Old Testament history, the Hebrew Bible, when he says in Romans 15, 4, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. As we look back at what God's people have endured, how they have lived lives of faith, how they have served the Lord, we draw comfort and courage from that, where we're, we receive patience, we receive uh, strength to continue to be steadfast in the things we face. And Paul writes similarly in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. And again, this is in the middle of an extended passage that we won't go through this morning. I'm sure you can find many wonderful expositions of it here on Sermon Audio by various teachers. But in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul is uh, speaking about the events of the Exodus and the generation that obviously uh, displayed their unbelief in the wilderness. And he says in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And then he applies that principle, therefore, with the word therefore in verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Paul is saying that these events at the time of the Exodus, which are very far removed from the Corinthians, day and time and circumstances, are applicable in their Christian lives. So there's a universal aspect uh, of truth involved that can be applied, therefore, to anyone that can it be. Because uh, we can learn lessons from those who have come before us that fit for our situation, regardless of what it is, whatever country we live in, whatever culture we're in, whatever day and time, we can learn from these who've gone before us in biblical history. So we're thinking today about God's work in history. There's a British poet named Stephen Turner who said that history repeats itself. He said it has to. No one is listening. And how sadly true that certainly is. Well, we want to learn from history. We want to listen to history for just a few minutes this morning. Actually, to, to uh, more put it more precisely, we want to learn how to listen to history. God's working in history. Now, some of you uh, know from uh, my at least my previous talk here in the prayer meeting, uh, if you were with us the last day of October, and perhaps you can also guess from the backdrop, if you're watching me on video, that I have a passion for church history. I have a passion for Reformation history. And uh, I, I spoke on Reformation Day, October 31st, about the five solas of the Reformation. And for me, uh, October and November, which of course is now closing, 
these are sort of what I call the church history months of the year. I've learned uh, over, over the years as I've matured and grown, I trust to really love church history, to have a passion in particular for certain aspects of the Reformation and also uh, the Thanksgiving pilgrims, our pilgrim fathers here in America. And uh, they relate as being part of the 16th and 17th century uh, Reformation story. And uh, I find that uh, someone told me once that uh, in, uh, in some sectors of the Christian world, especially those that I travel in, our weakest area of all, when we think about the major areas of Old Testament, New Testament, theology, and church history, especially in the, in the realm of the Christian world in which I uh, move and live and work, our weakest area is church history. Sad to say we are often abysmally weak in church history. So I attempt, uh, as God enables and gives me opportunity, to, to combat that and to uh, try to overcome that weakness by teaching on these subjects, I trust, in a way that is biblical and helpful. Um, as we think about the, the subjects I just mentioned, the Reformation, which we celebrate in October, leading up to Reformation Day, the Thanksgiving pilgrims, which we celebrate in November, the link between them is the Geneva Bible. Now, I'm not holding a Geneva Bible in my hands, but I do have a couple of them. And that's a whole story that we don't have time to cover today, but that is the link between October and November in church history, the Geneva Bible, the Bible of the pilgrims, the Bible that built America. Now, we're leaving November, however, and moving into December. Is there a link in history between November and December? I believe there is. I believe it's one verse. 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God, Paul says. The end of two chapters in which he's describing the the uh, role of giving in the Christian life and finance and stewardship. He sums it all up by saying this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And perhaps you've heard this idea before. That's the, that's the link right there between Thanksgiving and Christmas, November and December. God's gift God's incredible gift to us of his Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Well, I'm going to be referencing a few more verses before we close this morning. I, I may not take time or ask you to turn to all of them, but you certainly can reference them or uh, refer to them later, listen later if you miss one of these references that I'll be sharing. Because again, we're thinking about God's working in history. By the way, one thing that uh, is also a passion of mine is to know real history. Real history, not what we wish might have happened, what someone has you know, suggested, conjured up that may have happened. It could have happened this way. I want to know what did happen. 
warts and all. I want to know how God has worked in real history. That's the way the Bible presents history. And that's the way I want to understand church history as well. Now, as we think about dealing with, with history in terms of the Reformation and Thanksgiving, the pilgrims, as we're thinking about now moving into December, Christmas involves real history as well, doesn't it? I love preaching about Christmas. We won't be able to do that in this short time, but to think about Luke's account, the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2 and the shepherds, there's some tremendous, incredible facets of uh, background, biblical background there, Jewish history and and uh, the just the culture of the day that come into play there that, that give us amazing understanding of what's going on in that passage. Also something that happens later in the in, in following the birth of Christ, the visit of the Magi, the wise men. Again, these are real events of history. We believe the Bible is giving us an accurate um, relation of things that truly happened, and we want to understand what did these things mean in their original context. Christmas involves digging into real history and understanding how God broke into history, broke into time, and interrupted history with the birth of his son, and changed history forever. And I'd like to uh, sort of close this morning by uh, piquing your interest on a related subject, which again, we will not be able to cover the whole subject this morning, but it's something that uh, I'm going to be speaking on all this month. Perhaps I can share more about it with you at a later date. And that is the subject of, of Hanukkah. Our Jewish friends, of course, at this time of the year, uh, do not celebrate the birth of Christ, the Messiah. Many of them do not if they're in unbelief of Christ yet. But many of them celebrate Hanukkah. It's one of the most celebrated Jewish feasts along with Passover in all the world today, even though it's not one of the seven biblical feasts of Leviticus 23. It's vitally important in Jewish culture. And you might say, well, boy, I'm not sure I want to really get involved with knowing about Hanukkah. Let me attempt to persuade you otherwise on that point. Hanukkah is something that happened in real history. It's, it celebrates something that happened in intertestamental history. Now, I said before that some, some of us, especially um, many in my portion of the Christian world, sometimes we're abysmally weak on church history. Well, if we're weak on church history, I might say that intertestamental uh, history is just sort of a black hole. Uh, we know little to nothing about what happened during those 400 silent years between the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament in its closing, and the opening of the New Testament. We just sort of open to Matthew chapter 1 and say, well, let's just jump in right there and think about what's really important, the life of Christ. Well, of course, that is of ultimate importance. But how do we understand what was going on in Jesus' day? 
Did you know, friends, that God took 400 years? We call them the 400 silent years. They're silent in terms of new revelation, inspired scripture being given. But God was not silent. He was working in a tremendous way to prepare the world for the coming of his son. We could sum up those 400 silent years with verses like Ephesians 1.11. He was working all things after the counsel of his will. Romans 8.28, he was working all things for good to those who love him. Especially Galatians 4, 4 and 5. He was working and moving in this world to prepare it exactly, precisely, for the moment when in the fullness of time he would send forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to be our redeemer, to be our savior. God was preparing the world for these stupendous events that were soon to unfold, such that when Jesus did come in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, Luke records that the whole world was in expectation. They understood that something incredible was happening in this world, in history. Of course, they could know that in part because of the prophecy of Daniel chapter 9, giving a timetable of the future of Israel written in advance as Daniel received it, laying out um, a chronology of what would happen up to the coming of Christ. So let me challenge you to take this season and consider learning something about the events of Hanukkah, the events behind Hanukkah, which pertain not only to our Jewish friends, but to us as Christians, and to God form, forming the world for the birth, for the coming of his own son. And as I said, perhaps we can talk about those events sometime later on. Today we are simply thinking about God's working in history and the fact that we should begin to contemplate his working in history and some ways in which we can handle these things and ways in which we ought to view his work in history. And, uh, you know, it's a week after Thanksgiving Maybe some of you are still in Thanksgiving mode. I invite you to consider this great Thanksgiving verse, perhaps one you haven't thought of in this light before. But it's a verse that we can, be, we can consider also as we think about looking over the broad perspective of all that God has done in the world, in history. Psalm 26, 6 and 7, David prayed and said, I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. Tell of all your wondrous works. Are we, are we faithful in telling? And this is what I'm really getting at, folks, with all of these things. Are we faithful in telling and teaching and passing on to others, to disciples, to the next generation, that indeed God has worked in history. The Bible claims to be grounded and true in real history. 
and we have a great company of witnesses who've come since the end of the New Testament in church history. Are we passing on these incredible treasures that God has entrusted to us to understand what God has done in history, biblical history, Old Testament, New Testament, church history? Perhaps on this, uh, at least where I am today, very cold and windy Wednesday afternoon, a week after Thanksgiving, perhaps you have some time today. Perhaps you could uh, take some time, maybe sit by the fireplace and and make a list with your Bible in one hand and a notepad in the other. And think about some of these verses that I'm sharing. And think about areas where you need to study or things that you'd like to know more to pass on to others. Of how God has worked in the past. And what you could do to begin searching these things out and learning them and sharing them. Let me close with one last verse. Psalm 22, an amazing psalm. Jesus cried the beginning of it from his words on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But how about the end of the psalm? Psalm 22, verses 30 and 31. They put a wonderful bow on all that uh, I've tried to share with you this morning. It says, A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. By application today, I would say God has done all these works that we are referencing. He's done the works of the people of faith in the Old Testament, the works for the people of faith in the New Testament, the works for the people of faith who've come since that time all the way down to our day to serve him by his grace, through his strength. And we need to tell those stories. We have those treasures to pass along to others. Having settled in our own minds first that God is at work in history. His word is true. His word is absolutely grounded, cemented in historical fact. And there is so much that he has privileged us to learn of all who have served him in history all the way to this time. I hope that's a blessing and a challenge to you today on this uh, last day of November, 2022. Thank you and God bless you. All right. Well, thank you so much.